All right, welcome to another Pro Football Doc podcast. We know our Super Bowl teams. It's been a long year, but we have an exciting podcast today. Change up the format a little bit. Do it all in one shot, one segment here as we're down to two teams. We're going to talk about goat versus kid, and we'll go into that. We'll talk about the special healing potential before the Super Bowl. We'll break down the conference championships in terms of injuries and uh, in review and why perhaps uh, the results came out the way they did. We'll make some comments about off-season surgeries and injuries from Cole Beasley's announcement to uh, Drew Brees' wife announcing things on, on Drew. And uh, we'll talk about something near and dear to me, uh, the retirement of Philip Rivers and share some special thoughts. Then we'll give you the breakdown of what you want to see for the Super Bowl. And there are some actionable things that I think will be interesting. We're going to break some news on some of our thoughts on the Bucks and the Chiefs. And this week, chock full of Beast of the Week. Lots and lots of Beast of the Week candidates. Um, anyways, thanks for watching with us here and following along. Thanks to OutKick. But let's get into it here. Goat versus Kid. Well, we all know GOAT, right? And uh, we know what a GOAT is, and we know the acronym GOAT, greatest of all time. So that obviously is Tom Brady, and GOAT is in the positive sense. And KID, and KID is Patrick Mahomes. He's young, he's a kid, but as a uh, reminder, some of you will know, a lot of you will know, what's a baby GOAT called? A baby GOAT is called a kid. So that's why I'm saying this is the Super Bowl, goat versus kid. You can't argue that Brady is the greatest of all time. Now he's made it to a Super Bowl. He's been in a Super Bowl in three different decades now. He's been a Super Bowl with his first year in a new team without Bill Belichick. Uh, I think ten Super Bowls he's been in. Like it's just it's pretty much been Brady uh, the majority of the time. If you just went with Brady as being in the Super Bowl and you took whatever odds they were to start, you'd, you'd have made a lot of money these last 15 years. Uh, and uh, so he's obviously the GOAT. He's obviously older against the kid, the young buck, the one who already has won the Super Bowl in the league MVP, going for a back-to-back, something that Brady hasn't done. So here's the young GOAT, the, ba- the baby GOAT, the kid. And that'll be very interesting. We'll talk about the specifics later in terms of his turf toe and what have you as we get into the breakdown of of the games here but let's let's uh, do that right now at uh, outkick here uh, wrote an article here uh, the conference championships and let's go over it where I was right and where I was wrong now clearly uh, I had ordered the bills as the healthiest then the Packers then the Bucks than the Chiefs. And the two least healthy teams won. So let's go over that. First of all, they're all somewhat healthy, right? They're not at this point of year. But we talked about the Packers healthier than the Bucks, And you see the grades here at A- minus versus a B plus. But here's essentially what happened. Yes, the Bucks are without Antonio Brown. We knew that. Kappa. Ronald Jones was subpar. Still Leonard Fournette. Uh, but in any case... Here was the big thing with Green Bay. They were really very healthy. 
Kevin King played with his back. He did get burned on that one play. But David Bakhtiari here, since his injury at the end of the season, the Packers have adjusted very, very well. I picked the Packers, and I thought it would be an under game. I was wrong. I thought the Packers would dominate. And it was based on their adapting for David Bakhtiari. But in the end, that got him. Because Jason Pierre-Paul was constantly in the backfield. Shaq Barrett was constantly in the backfield. The two ends, rushers, with left tackle, Bakhtiari being out, and Billy Wagner, less than his best performance, gave up five sacks. That doesn't count all the hurries and tackles for losses. Very difficult to win a game with five sacks. Yes, Brady turned the ball over with three interceptions, but the difference in the end is not Aaron Rodgers. Yes, Matt LaFour could have gone for it on fourth and eight. I probably would have, but you know, it's hindsight. Look, I might have run a different play on third and eight knowing that you're going for it on fourth and whatever. That's a coaching thing. But if you really look at the bulk of the game, the difference of that game was what? The GOAT did it. I can't even count the number of third and longs. On that first drive, to my recollection, it wasn't like the Bucks were dominating moving the ball down the field. It was a third and nine conversion after not getting much from Leonard Fournette. It was a third and eight conversion. And then a third and seven conversion for a touchdown to Mike Evans. That's against the odds right there. Difficult to sustain. That's why I thought the Packers would come back and they did. But in the end, it wasn't the turnovers. It was the five sacks that they gave up. I think that was the difference of the game, not the, the play call at the end. And that's all stemmed from uh, David Bakhtiari. Now remember that as we foreshadow and we'll come back and talk about the Super Bowl, JPP and Shaq Barrett. As far as the Chiefs were concerned, they did what I thought they would do. The Bills were the healthier side here. You look at it. They were an A- minus overall, a B. You look at it. The Chiefs' pass was a B-. minus. No Sammy Watkins. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, shaky. No Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Mitchell Schwartz out. Their left guard out. Patrick Mahomes with the turf toe. He was confirmed before the game as a left turf toe. And uh, you, everyone saw the reports of the carbon fiber plate. Yeah, the carbon fiber plate is fine. Um, it's a modification of a thin steel plate, newer technology. Tape, he probably got an injection. But Mahomes actually moved very well. I thought all along, as you know, that Patrick Mahomes would play. And I did not think he had a concussion. And that's well documented. I don't think the Chiefs were gaming the system. But here is what is interesting in terms of a preview for the Super Bowl, but also for this game. I looked at the game and I said, on paper, the Bills are the healthier side. But in this OutKick article, I actually picked the Chiefs. Now, is that maybe biased because my son loves Patrick Mahomes? Maybe, maybe it's biased because I think the Chiefs are just that good and I, I think that creative. Look, last week they didn't have a running back. Uh, they didn't have Le'Veon Bell. They didn't have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And they used all this motion and basically used Tyreek Hill as a running back. They're very creative. I just thought that the in the end... Patrick Mahomes' experience would outweigh Josh Allen's, and it did work out that way. But I also had confidence in Patrick Mahomes' turf toe. And just looking at this, 
Look at how they use Mahomes. I said before the game, the key is not whether, I mean, who cares if he had a concussion or not? Look, we care, we don't want him to have a concussion, the whole deal. But he was cleared and through the protocol. So he's playing. But I said the difference is this. If he did have a concussion, he would be more apt to get a second concussion, second impact syndrome. That's well documented. A sometimes softer blow to the head or deceleration injury causes more symptoms. And then he's out. So if you have Patrick Mahomes coming off a concussion and it were confirmed as a concussion by the Chiefs, which they had never said publicly, by the way, then you had a turf toe where he was potentially going to be half a step slow. You'd have to change the playbook. But they didn't. You have to protect him. Chad Henney got no snaps. But it seemed that the Chiefs were quite confident in Patrick Mahomes' ability to avoid hits, but also potentially take a hit. They had a moving in space, running the ball. It looked like a fairly normal Patrick Mahomes, thanks probably to the injection pregame, more than the carbon fiber plate. There's even reports that he may need surgery. We'll talk about how the toe will affect him later when we go do this Super Bowl preview here. But the point is, further evidence that I don't think he had a concussion because I don't think that if you want to call the Chiefs reckless and saying that he didn't have a concussion and hiding it and speeding him through the protocol, I don't believe you, but you can make that claim. We've talked about that before. Why? If you go to profootballdoc.com or the Outkick articles, I won't beat a dead horse. This is not about being right about the concussions. It's about, look, common sense. Even if you gained the system and you got Mahomes back from his concussion, you wouldn't put him in space and risk further hits to lose him. And by the way they utilized him, I do not think he had a concussion in the first place. And even two weeks around the Super Bowl, we'll talk about that, but that gets even better. All right, so that's our championship review. We were right on the Chiefs in the over. They were just the better team. We were wrong on the Packers in the under with some turnovers and what have you. Um, it is what it is, and we've got one game left here. But before we start the Super Bowl breakdown, and we do have some good actionable things, and ProFootballDoc.com already has the injury index and field views up, and we'll go over it. Let's talk about the off-season, uh, some off-season things. It was announced that Cole Beasley had a fibula fracture. It probably was a non-displaced high fibula, fibular head fracture. That's where they were pointing to. That happened from week 16. Uh, hats off to Beasley there, but no surgery. He'll be okay. If they made it to the Super Bowl, he'd be 100%. It'd be six weeks. It wasn't a structural fibula fracture. I mean, he's tough, but he's still human. Good on him. Lots. We're going to hear lots of off-season announcements. And yes, this podcast will go throughout the off-season. Uh, we'll bring in some guests, lots to talk about, and more deeper dives and so forth. And also, you know, my guy Drew Brees, uh, his wife Brittany, who I think is a, a, I know very well, and I think she's a very nice and honest person, you know, defended her man, 11 ribs, torn rotator cuff, plantar uh, fascia injury, probably plantar fascia. Yeah, I respect that Drew Brees played through all that. I don't doubt it. But a lot of athletes play through that. And I've always said you get more surgeries in the offseason than in season. I'm not saying Drew needs surgery. Uh, you got to remember, it's I can't reveal anything about Drew. I mean, uh, look, it's public knowledge. I was the one who was next to him, walked him off the field, reduced his shoulder after he dislocated his shoulder in his last play for the San Diego Chargers. 
I remember very clearly John Lynch was the safety for the Broncos that actually, quote, inadvertently caused the injury. He was playing football, clean play. He felt bad about it. I've talked to him about it. Uh, no, no harm, no foul there. And Breeze knows it. Lynch knows it. I'm not accusing John of anything. A great guy. But I'm saying, you know, I know Drew very well in his injury. I can't reveal anything that isn't public knowledge, HIPAA, etc. Uh, but Drew's played through a lot in addition to this. I've seen it myself, heroically. And, uh, you know, I have not talked to Drew. If I get in touch with him and he lets me, I'll come tell the story on the podcast. But I need his permission first uh, to, to do so. But suffice it to say, it would be a uh, thumbs-up positive story on Drew if I can tell it. Uh, no secret players get injured all the time. And remember, when he injured the shoulder, it was publicly reported as a labrum and rotator cuff. This is back in 2006 or whatever that was. So uh, partial cuff tears are not unusual uh, and so forth. This is part of the game of football that makes me respect these players. So I don't doubt the announcement. Look, uh, I'm sure Drew probably didn't want the announcement coming out, but Brittany, God love her, was just defending her man, you know, and saying, look what he's played through. So I can respect that. So let's talk for a second about another Chargers quarterback, uh, former Chargers quarterback, the real-life Philip Rivers. I'm not here to debate whether he belongs in the Hall of Fame or not. I'm clearly biased. But I encourage you to go to this OutKick article to get a feel on the real Philip Rivers and what he's like. We'll go over a couple things here. He's all about football and family. Not NFL and family, football. I think he will throw himself into high school football coaching and get the excitement he wants. It's about competition, whether it's on the sandlot or on an NFL field. He's about football competition, and I think he'll get that. Uh, and, of course, his family. Uh, I haven't talked to Philip about this, but imagine how hard it is to move two kids to a different city for four months. He moved nine kids, including ones in high school. I have to think one of the reasons he's stepping away is, look, uh, he loves it. He wants to go for another ring, but the cost to his family, to move his family, he's the kind of guy that wants his family with him. I mean, a lot of you out there don't take a new, better job because your kid's in high school. He's got kids in high school now, you know, and so I respect that out of Philip. My guess is this is as much a family decision as anything else, uh, and uh, he'll get his football fix from coaching high school. His dad was a coach. The no swearing is not an act. <laughs> we talked about it in our previous podcast. Uh, he was upset at me once when I thought I heard him say S-H blank T once. It's not exactly the worst four-letter word in the world, but it bugged him so much. It's not like he dropped an F-bomb, but the players in the locker room were laughing about it. They were like, hey, did you hear Philip? I think it was a night game, and, and we were joking. I said, yeah, I thought he did too. And when Philip came in, they were ready to ambush him, give him a hard time because they know how much it means to him. And, and he took it well, but literally, then I got brought in as a witness because they're like, no, I didn't. And like, well, ask the doc. And they knew exactly what I was going to say. And look, literally the next day, this was a kangaroo court, clearly. I mean, all in fun. No big deal. Nobody thought any less of Philip. But it bothered him so much. He texted me three times the rest of that day saying, Chow, you misheard me. You misheard me. I didn't say that. 
I'm like, it's not that big a deal. I'm not saying you, you said it, but that's what I thought I heard. And But it just means that much to him. That's how real he is. We all know about his ACL tear and his streaks and read the article. He actually, uh, with the torn ACL, got off the bus early. You can read it and tell the story. We had several thousand fans meeting us at the facility after we beat the Colts to head to the AFC Championship game. They decided to pull up one bus at a time, unload, and then disperse the crowd from the bus and second bus. So the players are on the third and fourth bus typically. So Philip was on the third bus up the hill on Murphy Canyon. And uh, the entry is here, up the hill he was parked here. The player parking lot is here. We walked through the main building just for the red carpet effect. So literally, Philip, since he needed to get his MRI from his ACL, got off the bus with his bags. And if these fans would have just turned around, he would have saw Philip limping to get in his car. And I thought that was one of the more charming stories about him. But the real two stories, I've told the story about him texting me 10 years to the day from his ACL and thanking me. Who does that? But I want you to look at number four here, his loyalty to the fans in the city. Look, if you're from San Diego, I would venture to say it'd be hard not to have some Kleenex nearby. In 2019 at an awards dinner, remember, Philip never moved from San Diego. He stayed in San Diego and commuted and did film study in the back of a specialized van up to L.A. and back every day to be with family and to not move his kids. And the team, you can argue, hasn't done a lot to embrace and reach out to San Diego and the other team players and ambassadors. They haven't been bad, but they never really reached out and said, we love you, so to speak. And a lot of San Diego fans are hurt by this. And uh, this one speech really changed everything. I was there at the event, and um, it was during Super Bowl week. I flew back for it. And uh, just look at the pure, raw emotion from Philip to the tail end of this speech. He demanded going to the event in person they scheduled it so that he could be there back in town and, and, and free for it because he wanted to show up in person to claim the award, but to deliver this message. So this is from Rich Ornberger's Twitter, but you'll see it here. Again, personally, want to express my gratitude for all the love and support that I've always felt in and around town, whatever I'm out and about. As I try out there every Sunday with that bolt on my helmet and 17 on my back. Play like crazy with that passion fight, but that's the only way I know how. I hope that there's some of you still here in San Diego that can still say that's our quarterback. Thank you. Well, that's the kind of class act that he is. Uh, goosebumps. Yeah, goosebumps. Goosebumps watching that. Sorry about that. Goosebumps watching that. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> The only thing I dislike about that is, I mean, he brought the room down with that. This was a salute to the Champions event, a local sports dinner event. And, uh, you know, the only thing I dislike about that is 
I was up next. <laughs> How do you follow that? I mean, like, I was up later than that. I mean, unbelievable um, in any case from uh, Philip Rivers. And I hope you guys see that side of him, like him or not, uh, on the field. Uh, I remember one time, another John Lynch story, John saying to me, what's up with that? This is early on in Philip's career. What's up with him? Playing against him, I don't like him. I mean, like, you know, he's John all the time. I said, no, you just got to get to know him. And I explained. And and, uh, and John said how tough he was to play through that ACL. And then I think John got to know Philip, and, of course, changed his mind uh, about him. And uh, on the field, accomplishments, we'll let them speak for themselves. I hope he gets in the Hall of Fame, but that's just the kind of person that he is there. All right, so uh, let's go to shift gears here and uh, let's do the Super Bowl preview and then we'll finish with the beast of the week here. For our Super Bowl preview here, we have the injury index up here. Oops, let me get to it again here. I hit the wrong button here. Profootballdoc.com, it's all free. Bucks versus Chiefs, here we go. The Bucks are the healthier side over the Chiefs. And we'll go through this. The Chiefs are favored, minus three. And let's go through this here. Uh, first of all, let's uh, save the big news for last. The Bucks on offense. Alex Kappa will still be out. Antonio Brown should be back. I believe he will be back. But Scotty Miller's pretty good, right? And, and the slot. And the slot's not Brown's original position anyways. But the Bucks are really pretty healthy overall. Of course, O.J. Howard is out and uh, A.Q. Shipley is out, but Ryan Jensen, the starter, is healthy. Pretty healthy on offense overall for the Bucks. A- and a B-plus on the health rating. Defensively for the Chiefs, William Gay should probably return for the uh, Super Bowl. And uh, some backup players that are injured here, but uh, overall fairly healthy. So that's going to be a good matchup there. Uh, Tampa Bay offense, A- against the Chiefs defense, A-. But here's where the potential health mismatch is. I'm not saying talent. I'm not saying scheme, just health. A B on offense for the Chiefs and an A- minus on defense for Tampa. So here's where we go. We talked about, of course, Patrick Mahomes. His turf toe will not be 100%. There are rumors that he might even need surgery, but he's going to wait till after the Super Bowl, obviously. He'll use the carbon fiber plate. He'll probably get an injection. They'll use tape. He'll be limited a little bit in practice. Don't expect him to be full practice at any point in time leading up to the Super Bowl. But you see what he can do, and he'll be two weeks healthier. And he will be a run-pass threat just like he was in the conference championship game. So I think he's really fairly healthy, which is good. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire played through. Scored a touchdown, but didn't have a lot of production. Damian Williams was still number one. By Super Bowl time, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire really could be the number one again and healthy. And Le'Veon Bell hopefully will make it back, too. He missed as well. And many of you have pointed out the irony of Le'Veon Bell being in a Super Bowl and Antonio Brown being in the Super Bowl without Pittsburgh. But neither was with their first team after they left Pittsburgh. And neither played on Sunday on, on the conference championships. But they'll get their rings regardless. But they both should be able to come back. Wide receiver Sammy Watkins, I think, can be back from his calf by Super Bowl time. But here's where the rubber meets the road. It's on the offensive line of the Chiefs. Kalechi Osemele suffered a 
tendon tear and is out for the season early on. And he really made the Chiefs' run game into a power run game. So the former Raider, former Jet, I mean, that, he was a difference maker. So that's so that's one spot. Laurent, LDT, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif opted out at the beginning of the season. Mitchell Schwartz has been on injury reserve out for his back. And now Eric Fisher. By video, Eric Fisher tore his Achilles tendon. And there's no way he's going to be back to play in the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know that it's been officially announced yet, but by video, it's pretty clear he tore his Achilles tendon. They said Achilles, but they didn't say tear. And um, you can see his ankle slash foot flop. And that is a shame. So if you really go about it here, Eric Fisher was the first pick in the draft. First round draft, first pick in the draft. Assembly is out. The center was a low pick slash free agent. LTD opted out. And now they're playing Stephen Stephen Wisniewski, who was released by the Steelers in November. Because in order to, with Mitchell Schwartz out, Mike Remmers was playing right tackle. When Eric Fisher is now out, Remmers is going to left tackle. Andrew Wiley is now a seventh rounder, I think, is now sliding over to right tackle. So now you have Remmers for Fisher, assembly out all year. The center was the same player. LDT opted out, but then... Wiley, who did a good job now, slid over. And, of course, no Mitchell Schwartz. So four out of the five positions are not what the projected starters were. And, arguably, you're down to a third right tackle, the slid over right guard. So Eric Fisher going down had the dominoes of three positions now. His position, right tackle changed and right guard changed. The question is, how will they play together? Now, on the other side of the ball, we talked about earlier in this podcast, Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. They wreaked havoc against the Packers when they only had the one left tackle down. Look, if you have one side down, maybe you can put a tight end there, have the running back chip and what have you. But right now, the Chiefs are going to be without their starting right tackle and left tackle. And they've got some dominoes falling on the offensive line. This is where I think the game will be won or lost. If the Chiefs can shore up their offensive line, continue to be creative and get the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands very quickly, as they've been doing, and JPP and Shaq Barrett can't wreak havoc, the Chiefs have an excellent chance of winning. If not, Tampa will. So as much as we talk about this as goat versus kid, it's really a battle in the trenches, I believe, and on the edges. More so than goat versus kid, even though that's where all the attention will be. Also on the defense here, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. missed with an ankle, but he was close to playing. I think he'll be back for the Super Bowl. Um, Vita Vea will cover again in a second here, as uh, uh, but uh, go over his play and so forth. Um, but uh, he'll be better. I was surprised at how well he did. Admittedly, only played certain third down snaps, essentially. But uh, we'll go over his injury in a second and why it was so fantastic. But he'll only be healthier. The bad news comes with Jordan Whitehead. And I think we're breaking some news here. I just went back and looked at the video. Uh, Announces a shoulder. 
and quickly ruled out. But it looks to me that he tore his pec. Let's go over that a second here, if I can uh, find it here. Let me see. Here we go. Let's go to the game here. And it was third quarter, 1354. And I'll find it for you a second. And I'll tell you why I think he tore his pec. It's not official. And typically, a torn pec requires surgery. But the question is, he's probably the reason probably why they haven't announced it as a torn pack and everything and ruled him out is they're trying to probably figure out if he can actually play through it. Um, as a free safety in coverage, you probably can. You just aren't able to wrap up in a tackle. Um, and so let's go over this here. I don't know. The computer's a little slow here. Excuse me. So because it's the Super Bowl, if it were in the regular season, they would put him out on injured reserve, I believe, on the video. But because it's the Super Bowl, I don't think they're, I think they're trying to get him to play. Here we go. All right. So here's the play, and he wraps up. Okay, so let's rewind to the beginning of the play here. It's coming at the top there. First carry, Jamal Williams here, third quarter, with Aaron Jones out after the fumble. Looked like shoulder there, but if you watch, when he wraps up, his upper arm is up against Jamal Williams' leg, and you'll see it right here, right there. And his left arm gets overpowered. That's why we're back, and that's also where he's grabbing and touching right there. So I think he tore his pec, and uh, makes it very difficult to wrap up. Makes it very difficult to wrap up. He got run through here. But you can still reach, deflect balls, cover. So I have a suspicion that the Bucks are trying to see if they can get him to play in the Super Bowl. I'm sure he wants to, too, and then have his surgery. But he did tear his pec. That's going to be an issue to watch. So uh, back to the, the matchup here. The Chiefs are the healthy, are the less healthy side. The Bucks are the healthier side. You got to watch out for Jordan Whitehead, but it's if JPP and Shaq Barrett wreak havoc, Mahomes could be in trouble. But if the O line holds up and Bieniemy and Andy Reid continue to be creative, I think we're going to say the Chiefs are the favorite clearly. Then, so let's move to a couple of Beast of the Week candidates here. Um, I think that uh, we might have a. Uh, a uh, busy uh, season here if this is what's going to happen. Everyone probably saw this from uh, We're going to kick you All right, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. Get up, and on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up, and then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before before long, where are they going to be the last one standing? All right, that's going to be the mentality. <laughs> we might be pretty busy at profootballdoc.com if that's the case. No, uh, so that's a beast of an opening press conference speech. Uh, here's what I find. If that's Dan Campbell and he's authentic, the players will buy into that. If that was an act... He'll get seen through through very quickly and thrown out in his ear. I don't think that's an act. I think that's him to each his own, right? And, but uh, I thought that was interesting as a 
Beast of the Week candidate. Another Beast of the Week candidate, I have to say, is, is Bill's Mafia. Look at this crowd. at three in the morning welcoming the bills um so the bills mafia has to get a, a a nod here but also this guy people always share me bills mafia stuff and injury stuff and they wanted to know about this guy on his tables i gotta say they're beasts to be out there at 3 a.m in super cold sub-freezing weather but this stuff too is <laughs> quite interesting uh they said he was questionable uh I agreed. Oops. I agreed he was questionable till he probably sobers up, and then he probably hurt like crazy there. But uh, in any case, that's a candidate for Beast of the Week. Another candidate for Beast of the Week is clearly um, is, uh, is uh, Cole Beasley to play through the fibula fracture. But I think it was an incomplete fibula fracture. Uh, and so hats off to him for doing so uh, but uh, it's a pain tolerance thing not structural thing so he was able to make it but I'm finding for you the next beast of the week candidate here and actually the winner of the week and it's uh, Vita Vea and the reason why I'll show you as we go back he played he didn't play great spot work third downs only but he still played and he made it back which is already pretty darn incredible and i'll show you why now he's going to be better come the super bowl that's for sure okay so let's see let me find uh his thing right here okay so you'll see it here read at number 50 as the play comes around i'll show you a better view of it in a second he gets his right ankle rolled up upon it's a fracture dislocation of the ankle. If you're squeamish, don't watch the next part, okay? They're going to show you a replay here, and literally you're going to see his left ankle snap. He needed surgery. This was week five. He's barely three months from the injury. He had one week of practice. He's a big man who was non-weight-bearing for six to eight weeks. And he returned to help his team make it to the Super Bowl. He'll get two more weeks of practice. He'll be healthier. But to me, this is a beast of the week return right here. And uh, here we go with the replay again. And uh, take a look at it. If you're faint of heart, look away for this part. You see his left ankle get rolled upon and then literally snap. You see the two motions and then snap. That's why... He had surgery. He's barely three months and change, and he's back. He's the beast of the week. And look for him to take more snaps in the Super Bowl. Anyways, thanks for watching. I probably will not be in Tampa for the Super Bowl. Um, just there isn't Radio Row. There aren't the usual events. They're not going to give you locker room access for interviews afterwards. Uh, I can watch the game from home or actually will have some other special plans uh but i'm gonna this will be the first super bowl that i've missed 
Uh, and, you know, look, if I went to Tampa, I'd probably have to bring the whole crew anyways to try and go to Orlando Disneyland because my three-year-old keeps asking for it. But I won't be there. But we'll have coverage this whole two-week period of time, profootballdoc.com and different uh, uh, articles in uh, injury index and commentary. We'll have the podcast again next week. We'll talk about more Super Bowl uh, minutia and details, and we'll head into the offseason as well. But it's been fun. Congratulations to the NFL for playing now all but one game. And by the way, as a footnote, isn't it more fitting? Could there anything be more fitting in this unusual year? For the first time ever, we have the Bucks, a home team, playing its own field for the Super Bowl. The 49ers played at Stanford Stadium in you know back in the day, but the NFC team will get to practice in the Bucks facilities by rule. So the Bucks will practice in, at home. They won't need to, they'll still probably go to a hotel a couple days before, but teams aren't going to arrive early in the week because of the COVID issue. There isn't going to be the the all the media stuff as typical. It'll all be by Zoom. But how fitting in this unusual pandemic year we have the finally this unusual occurrence. And believe it or not, the only reason it happened is because of construction delays to SoFi. This was supposed to be the Super Bowl in LA. Tampa was supposed to be 2022, 56. 55 was assigned to LA. But LA and Tampa flipped because of the construction delays. So how fitting we have one game left in this unusual pandemic year and all these unusual circumstances. And in the end, we, the Bucks get to play in their own stadium. So congrats to them in an unusual season. We'll continue to talk more at Pro Football Doc Podcast and the website and Twitter. Thanks for watching and joining.